dedicated to each and every one of you who appreciate a great glass of wine. You know what I mean? It's Monday. Let's raise a glass to the beginning of another week. It's time to unscrew, uncork, or savor a bottle. And let's begin exploring the wine glass. Happy October! You know what that means. All the pumpkin spice you can ever want. But more importantly, it's Merlot Me Month. Today I'm sitting down with Nick Goldschmidt of Goldschmidt Vineyards. Originally from New Zealand, Nick has worked in Australia and South America, but calls his home Sonoma, California. His devotion to Merlot is epic, and I absolutely loved getting geeky with him over it. I know you are going to enjoy this conversation. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you know that many ask for Patreon. We do not plan on doing this, but we do ask for your support by leaving a review. It only takes a few seconds of your time, but means so much to the show. The next best way to support Exploring the Wine Glass is to tell your friends. If you enjoy the podcast, your wine-loving friends will too. Finally, don't forget to head to the website, exploringthewineglass.com, to read the blog and sign up for the newsletter so you can keep up with all things happening. Hey everybody, I'm Lori Budd, a UC Davis winemaking program, Spanish wine scholar, someday service, champagne and Cotteron specialist, and a WSET level 2 graduate. You can find Exploring the Wine Glass on all the socials, as well as your favorite podcast catchers. If you haven't subscribed yet, now's the perfect time to swipe, subscribe, rate, and review. Stay in the know about all things wine by visiting my website, exploringthewineglass.com. I promise I'll never tell you what to drink, but I'll always share what's in my glass. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Allure of the Poor, sponsored by Dracina Wines. We are back here talking more Merlot and some special extra bonus wine. Uh, and I am here with Nick Goldschmidt of Goldschmidt Vineyards. And I honestly have to say, it's like Goldschmidt Vineyards, Fidelity, Chelsea, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, because you are one busy man. Well, um, I guess, I, I, I don't know. I call myself pretty focused, really. I know it sounds, it sounds kind of weird, but I think, you know, like, I spent 25 years in the corporate world, you know, from, I was a winemaker at CME for 14 years. And during that time, I ran by Louis Vuitton and then we got sold and purchased by Constellation. So I was a head winemaker for still wines for Louis Vuitton. So Cloudy Bay, Cape Mattel, Rafino, Terrasas and Roses in Portugal. So, and I was 27 and then Constellation was a head winemaker for Icon Estates. Now Icon Estates was much smaller, you know, than Constellation is today. And then, then I finally left CME and went to the biggest company in the world called Allo de Mac and, we had 150 wineries in seven countries, and then we got sold to Jim Beam, and we had more wineries, etc. Anyway, in 2008, we got sold to Constellation. I went out on my own, and um, my idea was, and, it, and if you remember, the economy in 2008 was not the healthiest economy. <laughs> A lot of individual growers that I'd been working with who I'd got to know really well over the years, their families, you know, their wives, their kids, and everything, were being let go by all the people that I used to work for. So I decided that, I mean, I had the route to market. I knew who all the distributors were and I knew the growers and all I had to do was put the thing in the middle, you know, well, obviously I had no money, but I had friends. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we have a lot of different wines, Laurie, because each one of them is a story and each one of these people is an individual and it, and it's becoming, it's, it's, it's changing even more now because I read an article recently where 80% of the land in Napa Valley is owned by wineries and only 20% of the land in Sonoma County is owned by wineries. So you can imagine in Sonoma County, there's a lot of small family growers, but I I can tell you the landscape is changing very quickly here because it's getting harder and harder to grow grapes, sell the grapes, make the wine, et cetera, and take a profit at each uh, point. So what's happening is, we're becoming more vertically integrated and so unfortunately a lot of land is being taken up by some of these larger larger companies who are trying to control their costs and uh, we're becoming you know as i said you know we we got two we only have to look at europe to see what the future of california is and it's either farm to gate or negotiant and that's where we seem to be heading so preserving small family businesses for me is really really important and that's why we have a lot of different wines 
Yeah. And you, um, but you travel a lot. So, right. Well, <laughs> let, let, let's back up a little and let's get a little bit into you. So you actually originally um, are from New Zealand, correct? Correct. But I've, okay. I've lived more than half my life outside of New Zealand. All right. When, when, so when you were in New Zealand, did that play a role in, in the love of wine or did that happen after you left New Zealand? No, after sort of, well, I, in New Zealand, I wanted to be an engineer, like my father, my brother, my sister, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I, <laughs> then I so did that for a while. And then, then I did horticulture. I, I, I really wanted to, it's a long, you know, New Zealand has free education, free medical and free retirement. If you don't pursue your career, then you have to work for the government. So I ended up in a research plant at another university called Lincoln. And I fell in love with row crops, onions, garlic, carrot. And I thought that's what it was going to be. And then I discovered grapes. Uh-oh. Oh, a whole my God. other type of row. Yeah, man, <laughs> this stuff's way more fun. So then I went to Australia and did a degree in viticulture in Wagga Wagga, which is on the, they built the wine university between New South Wales and Victoria. And then I did a postgraduate in enology at Roseworthy in, in Adelaide. And then that sort of really got me into wine. And then I went back to New Zealand briefly before I came to California. Yeah. And how did you find your way to California? Well, I I wanted to, I, I told, I was a winemaker of Babbage wines in New Zealand at the time. And I told Joe Babbage, I said, I want 18 months off. I want to do a vintage in California, Chile and in Europe. He goes, oh, I'm never going to see you again. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, 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 I'm coming back. Well, he was right. <laughs> but um, I did the California vintage and it was so funny. I applied some of my friends told me this afterwards. I applied, I'd forgotten, I, I applied to do an internship at CME in 1989. And they turned me down. Uh, and by 1990, I was the winemaker. Waker. <laughs> so, pretty funny. so 1989. Well, I was stupid enough. I didn't realize I'd forgotten. <laughs> but I got a job with a little winery called Caneros Creek. And that was obviously 89 was the year of the earthquake. And so everyone remembers it. And then I went down to Chile in 1990 for the first time. And um, and I've always had, and, and, I, and I think LVMH really, man, I can't say enough. I love the corporate world. Don't get me wrong. They treated me really well. Um, LVMH gave me this opportunity to sort of blend for the US and Canadian palate. I mean, going to Cloudy Bay and making blends and I'm 27. Um or Greenpoint in Australia, and then, but the big one was Terrasas in Argentina. So they didn't have a winemaker because it was a champagne house. Chandon was a champagne house, and so I made the first six, seven vintages of Terrasas um, Malbec, and and they sort of LVMH sort of trained me to be a consultant, yeah. um, and also I had the ability. I worked with a very famous consultant called Michelle Rolon, who probably today is probably the most famous consultant. And I worked with him with for 12 years because he he came to see me for 12 years and um through Michelle Rolland and through LVMH they gave me that piece so today I consult for about 20 wineries in six countries around the world and um so I've continued to travel in that regard and you know let's face it man all I do is I show up I drink wine I eat with them give them a couple of critiques and you know but you know we just scored our 13th 100 point wine I know, week. I saw that. So, yeah, I saw. No, it's been so sudden, you know, <laughs> it's been quite cool. I never thought I'd get one 100 point wine, let alone, let alone 13. But I thought, what does, what does that, let, sorry to sidebar, but like when I think about like every time the email comes and there's a score, I like open my email, like, and then, yay, you know, but you know, when you open that and you get told or you physically get told 100, like, can, like, is that a moment? Of, I remember where I was when I got my, you know? <laughs> yeah. I remember where I was when, the, when I got the first one. And now I'm like, I, I, I was telling someone earlier this morning that, you know, getting the first one was actually relatively easy. Getting the second one. I mean, because now the expectations are really high. Oh, and, okay. and if you don't perform again, and um, yeah, it's and 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 the latest ones obviously were twenty twenty one vintage from Chile, and you know twenty twenty one around the world was probably one of the best vintages except for New Zealand, 
every other 2021 country was was um, pretty good. Yeah. So, well, congratulations yeah. and sidebar because it's not Merlot, but sidebar. It sounds like it's a good good timing to bring this in. So this is your Fidelity Zinfandel, and this just was in Wine Spectator as Wine of the Week. So I mean, that's another wow moment. That's like kudos. <laughs> yeah, it's a really interesting project. It was um, Fidelity is. Uh, it was it started again because of a family member so his name was al delormier al and sandy unfortunately have both passed away and i work with their children now but al called me up and said he was in serious problem he'd been selling grapes to see me for a long time he had sold the winery because he had a small winery to a person and he had a contract for the grapes for three years to sell the winery but he hadn't he hadn't been paid for the grapes so I went up to the winery and I tasted the three vintages. I think it was 99, 2000, 2001. I knew the winemaker, really cool guy. And he had all five Bordeaux varietals for each of those vintages. And I, man, they tasted good. So I said, let's just put them all together. We made, you know, one for each vintage, one for each vintage. So we had three wines. I called up a, a master of wine. <laughs> I won't mention his name. Um, who was the buyer for a small little company called Walmart, Sam's Club. <laughs> and he, I said, dude, I've got this great idea. Because you know what winemakers are like? We're also really genius at marketing. Right? <laughs> so I came up with this idea. Let's call it Fidelity. We'll launch it on Valentine's Day. Put a big heart on the label. <laughs> you can imagine what happened, right? Sales went like, <laughs> so, so the guy calls me back up and says, Nick, I can't sell the last 500 cases. I'm like, dude, I still haven't come out of the closet. You know, I still work for LVMH. So I called up a distributor in New Jersey and Massachusetts and Indiana, and they agreed to take the 500 cases or whatever it was. Anyway, next day, 92 points, best buy wine enthusiast. The buyer calls me back and says, going to get my wine back. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so today, today on the label, has a broken heart. So the broken heart oh, represent, represents all the large conglomerations of of retail etc who have messed up the small family entrepreneurial fun business that we all know and love but so there's infinite and, and, and everything i do is single vineyard single rattle single vintage and they're all vegan except for fidelity i blend so this wine is 100 percent from my own vineyard it's called rail yard and it's called the rail. You can see that the name of the vineyard yep. is called the railway yard yep. for two reasons. There is a railway line that runs through the back of the property. And also the rail yard was a sarcastic name for a big rugby stadium in Wellington in New Zealand, which was imploded. It was a fantastic stadium, wow. but it was built down at the rail yard and it was taking up space. So they blew it up. Now it's called the Capeton. I don't want to call it wine the Capeton. But um, <laughs> so we, we purchased this vineyard about, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago. It's a pretty good, pretty for a small guy like me, it's a pretty big chunk. It's 20 acres and it's just north of Guysville facing east. Okay. East is important because it's morning sun. And But Zinfandel is relatively hard to get ripe in a cooler location. Most Zinfandel is dry farmed, facing west. You cook the grape, you know, but I don't like that high alcohol. My, the key thing for Zinfandel is can you have two glasses without falling over? And so um yeah. I bought the this property and there was a very famous the fruit was going to a very famous Zinfandel vineyard locally, you probably know the name of it. And he calls me up and goes, Nick, do you know what you bought? I said, No. He goes, Well, you bought my single vineyard petite Syrah and the base of my reserves in. I said, Well, I was gonna rip it out and put cat. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept the vineyard in and I called I I wrote a contract and I said, you can only get two passes and whatever. And he called me out, I want a third pass, you know, meaning leaf <laughs> drop, crop drop right, or something. Right. And I went, dude, tore the contract up. I made the wine. So this is it. And it's gone on to, gun. I mean, I can't believe, you know, we're a Cabernet Merlot house, but how much Zinfandel um, we're suddenly selling. And I think it's totally the vineyard. I mean, it's, it's you know, I'm a regenerative farmer. Um, be, organics to me is okay. not great um, because you can still use discs and you can still use um, pyrethrins, um, which is 
you know, that's organic, but it's the world's most toxic insecticide because right. it comes from chrysanthemums <laughs> and gibberellic acid and all that. You know, so to me, not using a disc is really important. So not having brown earth, because whenever you see brown earth, you're, you know, you're releasing 80% of the carbon, which is what we want right. <laughs> in the ground. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> at the age of the vineyard, the petite just adds that little bit of spicy backbone. Mm. And it's a lot the way I think of with petite the dough going into Bordeaux blends it's that same character because there's such big varieties I mean they give they give all this sort of structure right weight on the finish and that's what Petit Syrah brings to Zoom very nice very nice and uh I do love Petit Syrah too um but and I Petit Verdot I love Petit Verdot um it's it's another underrated grape variety in my eyes Absolutely. But it's yeah. petite Syrah, man, can be exhausting for me. It, it has to be really fresh and young for okay. me to drink a petite Syrah on its own. But petite Verdot, I agree. Very underrated. You know, Cab Franc seems to be the one, you know, Malbec's had its day, Cab Franc's having its day. Petite Verdot is the one that's missed out thus far. But um, I still think of the five, if, if, if I had to say what is the most complete Bordeaux varietal, it's Merlin. All right. All right. I and think, I think that's awesome. Well, the... oh, there you go. I, you just took the words out of my mouth. You just took the words out of my mouth. What about it, Pomerol? Do you love so much? Like what? What? What brings that to be the place? Well, I think you know. Firstly, I, 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 you have to learn about the soil, and because Merlot is a bigger berry than Cabernet, so if you're in heat or stress and you dehydrate that berry 10%, that's a huge change for Merlot. So all you're doing is concentrating sugar, acid, and tannin. When you dehydrate Cabernet, which weighs only 0.9 grams, 10%, it's not that big a change, but Merlot weighing 1.2 grams, it's a big, big change. So what you need is water holding capacity. Where do you get water? You get it from clay soil. So whenever I see stones, I always ask where the clay is. And that really is the secret of, of the water holder capacity is really the secret of Pomerol. And, you know, Obreon is actually not that bad a wine. Petrus is not that bad a wine. They're all from Pomerol. Um, <laughs> and people don't realize yeah, it. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, like, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you can give it away. Um, can you go back to, I, to your statement where you see stones, you ask where the clay is? What's that? What's that relationship? Um, because I, the, the stones, because it's usually river wash or, um, alluvial wash, but okay. primarily alluvial Europe is a really old place when it comes to soils. I mean, um, so the soils are more weathered than what we have here primarily. So the reason why I brought up the two, the two relations is because when you talk about weathering, it's mainly alluvial, but when you're um, here in Alexander Valley is mainly river. So where we grow the Merlot, the two vineyards I grow Merlot on that, I, I own two vineyards that have Merlot. Uh, the gravel sits over the clay and that's because the river at some point, the Russian river brought brought the stones over and uh, just creates this layer and layer and layer. We're talking hundreds of years, you know, and then um, the clay, still there but so what we do now it's really interesting I, i'd always thought about this but now i'm really practicing it is finding it firstly I've got to find out where the clay is how deep it is okay. and then i'm going to irrigate to the clay because what happens is the water goes down to the clay and then it goes horizontally across so when the when the vines grow they do the same thing too they go down to the clay when we plant a vineyard we rip it so we break the clay up a little bit so the roots can go into the clay but primarily the, the roots are there. So we have to figure out how deep the clay is and then we irrigate down to the clay. And so instead of doing short irrigations like we do with Cabernet, we do long irrigations. So we'll irrigate for five or six hours to make sure the water gets all down there. But we only do it once a week or every two weeks. Oh, okay. Um, whereas with Cabernet, you do it, you know, three hours a day, every, every two or three days kind of thing. Okay. And then, so when the when the roots go down into the clay so so most vines don't like wet feet 
So does Merlot like it? Merlot likes a little bit more wet because the clay is going to hold on to that water. Yeah, except, well, there's two, there's two points that you just brought up. The first one is that it's not like wet. I right, mean, it's, it's not puddles, right. It's humid, you know, it's, it's okay. this gentle release of water over the week. The second thing is that we're using rootstocks. I mean, it's not Merlot that's going down to the ground. It's going oh, down to rootstocks, true. the rootstock that's going down to the clay. And for me, I'm using primarily a rootstock called 110R. 110R is a, is ripestrous. Um, sorry, it's riparia, yeah. not ripestrous. It's riparia, and it and it's a very deep, very good drought tolerant rootstock. The other one is um, um, 3309 and 1103 Polson. Sorry, 1103 Polson, 3309 and 110R. They're the three we're using, but they vary in speed. So Polson um, is a much quicker grower than than riparia or Repestrous. So there's two forms of vitis. You know, there's vitis vinifera, which is Cab Shard Malou, and there's vitis labrasca, which is the rootstock, and they're yeah. repestrous, Blandieri, and and whatever the other one is. So all the rootstocks come from that. But many of them are not deep enough. Um, I mean, the original rootstock we were all using was 10114, which is more horizontal because people were just okay. irrigating quickly. But now we want to have the drought tolerant rootstocks, and that's true for almost every country. And then, so when we when we talk about Merlot, uh, how did you fall in love with Merlot? Did, well, did, I worked with Michelle Lalonde, and he's from Pomerol. Okay. <laughs> well, not um, everybody has that. Everybody, that is true. That is true. But not everybody has that beautiful. I guess that's a that I I kind of that was a softball toss to you. That was true. It was. <laughs> Well, the way I describe it is, I mean, Cabernet, I'm being really generic here, but Cabernet, when you think about the tannins of Cabernet, they're more vertical. They're, okay. they're bright, usually with good acidity, nice spice, you know, because Cabernet is, you know, the greenest, most spicy variety in the world is Carmenere, then Sauvignon Blanc, and then Cabernet, Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, that's why it has, I mean, people that go, I don't like green wine. Well, don't drink Cab, drink Merlot, because <laughs> Cabernet should be green. It should be spicy. But Merlot is more um, horizontal. I find the tannins richer, um, more elegant, softer. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, and it's a little bit more user-friendly. And I, obviously we all learned a lot of things during COVID. I mean, I had nine, nine people in my bubble because I had five kids and we drank 1,500 bottles of wine in, in 18 months or whatever it was. But <laughs> I, <laughs> it's a true story. Um, I... Really, and that was only when you first started counting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first month of COVID was funny because I'd come out. These are the tonight we're starting with champagne, Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, Merlot, Cab, whatever. You know, after a month of this, the kids are just like, bring the wine out. We'll choose which way we want to pour, which way we want to drink it. And that's where I started to realize what the, the BS that I'd been saying for so long was actually true. And the fact that now I'm, now I'm going to discuss Alexander Valley versus Napa, and this is true for Merlot as well. But Alexander Valley, going back to that vertical tannin thing, Alexander Valley is also is even more vertical than Napa because Napa has sugar. So in the Alexander Valley, we have more red fruit. So it's sort of red cherry, blueberry, black cherry, if you can imagine. And then the wine is a bit more on the structural side. So during dinner, the kids were always drinking those wines because – your mouth gets perked up. It's a little bit more alive and, and fresh. And then they drink the Napa wines with the cheese course at the end of the dinner because the cheese is more salty. And Napa Cab has always got more alcohol and more fructose. You know, there's two forms of sugar, glucose and fructose. Fructose is very hard to ferment. But when you have high alcohol, the yeast diet about 14 and a half alcohol. So you always end up with more fructose anyway. So you have a more sweet version. So that, again, takes Cabernet a little bit more on the horizontal side. And it goes... Blueberry this time, black cherry plum. So you're getting darker fruits and more texture, whereas Alexander Valley is redder and more structural. So my idea is to try and make them more even. And one way you can do that is with Merlot, because Merlot can give you a little bit more black fruit. It can give you more of the texture elements that, not necessarily the sugar, but can give you more of the texture, more of the weight. And that's why I find Merlot really interesting. Is that a quick answer? <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was fantastic. 
So Merlot actually, they say, was translated into uh, Little Blackbird, right? And so there's controversy of to whether or not it's the birds that eat it or the berry itself. But the berry is actually actually larger than a cab soft, which is what you said, correct? Correct. So, yeah. Like what what does that berry like let's talk about the cluster can we go a little geeky? Can we go a little a little more geeky, I guess? Eh? What does that cluster look like if, if you're somebody's walking in a vineyard and you you're you're walking in the vineyard and you see a Merlot bunch that go that you go, whoa. That's a beautiful bunch right there. What what does that bunch look like? Is it is it a larger? You said the berries are larger, but is the bunch itself larger? Is it a tight cluster? Is it a large cluster? Shoulders? What what are you looking? What looks for? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, Merlot is a is a much bigger. It's a longer cluster than Cabernet, and it's tighter. So um, I don't know if I if I can show you this, but this is um, that's Merlot. Okay. So that's, that's a pretty tight cluster and very it's a uh, pretty tight cluster, yeah. Conical, so you, conical, right? Is that the right? Yeah, it's, and so it yeah. doesn't have a. It has a small wing on it, so you get the main cluster in the wing. Whereas Cabernet, <clears throat> the wing can be bigger, um, but because the Merlot is a bigger berry, you know, it, it expands and they touch each other. Whereas Cabernet, Cabernet generally can be a lot looser than that, and you know the advantage of that is you get more air and more even like evenness of light penetration okay. on the cluster. I don't think I have a really good one of Cabernet, but um, so the Merlot being so tight, is it prone to mildew? If is it like what are some problems that you might have in the venue? Because if the cluster is a little bit looser, then the wind is going to go through. You know the berries. Oh yeah, that's, that's a, yeah a lot yeah. more, a lot more space and kind of bigger yeah. up on top. Um, so no, it's yes, yeah, but tried tight, it. Yeah. But tried it. Right. Because what's yeah. inside, what if it gets wet inside and then yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. But the main that, that that's a bit geeky. But the main difference, if you think about I it, I love is geekiness. <laughs> the main difference is you know, Merlot is this big and Cabernet is this this big. So you can imagine the skin to pulp ratio here is lower than it is there. So color. How do you the, the, the thing is, how do you concentrate a Merlot berry when it has more juice, you know? Whereas Cabernet, you don't need to because the skin to pop ratio is relatively high. Then, And that's important because the skin has all the polyphenols and, and um, I mean, it's where all the tannin is, the color and, yeah. the, and the flavor is all there in the skin. So if you have a bigger berry, then you have more juicy... Um, juiciness to the wine so what some people do is they bleed and that's where bleeding comes in they'll take 10 percent of the juice out on day two or three and basically what you're doing is you're decreasing your skin to pulp ratio and making it more like a cabernet whereas I, you know for me i don't i don't think like that i think um, thank you that's part of of that's uh, merlot right I mean, it's merlot. Why, yeah. if i want to drink merlot it, it brings me back to like the the kind of the new the new thing of let's age wine in bourbon barrels or whatever and i'm like if i want to drink bourbon then i'm going to drink bourbon if i want to drink wine i want to drink wine i don't want to drink wine that tastes like bourbon and i don't want to drink bourbon that tastes like wine so if i want a merlot which i love merlot i don't want it tasting like a cab i don't right yeah no i want it to be merlot yeah. And I, I find that fun, you know, I mean, bourbon barrels are like the, making barrels for bourbon producers is like, you know, it takes them a couple of weeks. Making a barrel for a winemaker takes three years. <laughs> like, so, you know, oh, making that's probably the real reason is, behind it. That's probably not, the real reason behind why they're aging in bourbon barrels, not. <laughs> well, let's keep it marketing. between ourselves. That's good marketing right there. <laughs> yeah, no, very much. <laughs> um but yeah merlot and, and and so you know we we sent you two merlots the first one again is a fidelity and we i sent you that one because i wanted to show you you know this is so this this is a five you know the five bordeaux varietals merlot and cab okay. being the obvious two and then malbec um uh petit Vidot and and cap Franc. 
So each one of them sort of it, it, it goes against what I normally argue. I normally argue that I can I can if you give me one cabernet vineyard, I can make it very complex by changing the way I harvest, changing the way I I put the shoots, and then change the way I make the winemaking. And I can I generally sort of talk about three wines that I like to make, and I can make three wines from one vineyard. What you do when you're blending, though, is basically you're throwing that out the window. And what you're making, the the way you make the blend is you, you're talking about what each varietal is bringing to the palate. So we know that Merlot gives the sweet, ripe, red cherry character right up on front of the tongue, what we call elegant. Cabernet gives you the power, the power and the rich in the middle of the tongue. And then the Petit Bordeaux gives you the structure and the finish. And then the other two varietals, Malbec gives color. So Malbec is the blackest of the five. And then Cap Franc gives that aromatic. Um, it also gives a little bit more of spice, sort of like a salty a salty character that Cap Franc. Cap Franc is probably the hardest to grow correctly because it, Cap Franc is hard to ripen if it's overcropped. And, you know, too many people overcrop Cap Franc. So, the, I mean, last night I was at a tasting and there was – a lot of cap fronts so they, they were all very very weak i thought um, oh, i don't so, like hearing that yeah dilution <laughs> i think you know we're we're industry wide i mean we're on the to make a single vineyard cap franc i think we're a long way away from making great cap fronts but it'll it'll happen but in the meantime this wine the fidelity red blend is very successful for us it's it's our second best selling wine and i i really put emphasis on the Cabernet and Merlot making up 85%. And then the other 15% is made up from the other three varietals. And so when you're picking Merlot in, from your vineyard, what are you actually looking for? So there, you know, people always talk about art and science and whatever, and they go hand in hand in some, you know, they go hand in hand, but you're combining, I'm, I'm assuming you're combining some of the chemistry that goes along with it, along with you physically being in that vineyard and knowing what that vineyard is in, you know, is best when it's best. But is there a general, are you generally looking at a, you know, a range of bricks? Are you looking at a range of other aspects of it, that pH, the acid, and then you hone it in on your palate? And now, a word from our sponsor. Exploring the Wine Glass is brought to you by Dracaena Wines. Dracaena Wines is an artisan winery located in Paso Robles, California. They have been producing wine since 2013. Their first vintage began with one wine, their classic Cabernet Franc, which received a 91 in Wine Enthusiast. Since then, they have increased production as well as expanded their portfolio, have received many accolades, including multiple double gold medals and consistent 90-plus ratings. Visit their website, www.dracinawines.com, or use the link in the show notes to schedule a private tasting and to see their entire portfolio. Purchase your award-winning wine and let Dracina Wines help turn your moments into great memories. Well, I think two things. I'll answer the first piece first about the the history is really important. And having made wine in these vineyards, you know, I mean, most of these vineyards, the, the, the Merlot that has been going in a fidelity, I've been on that vineyard for 25 years. And I, I thought it was funny that, you know, the wine enthusiast came out and said, these are the 40 best winemakers under 40 years old. I'm like, dude, when Kim Jong-un drops a nuclear bomb, we all run to the bunker, then they're the ones I'm not taking. <laughs> because nobody knows how long they're going to ask you know and you ask these young women he's like dude how long do you want i'm going to oh, 25 years i'm like oh okay show me yeah. i'm down that bunker for 15 years i want to know for sure <laughs> that their wine's that gonna i'm last, taking the man. right wine <laughs> yeah. all right so this, the second part of the question is the way grapes ripen i don't know if you can see this but yeah this, this, this is acidity and then this is veraison Okay. Um, when the berries change. And then we start to get an increase in sugar, bricks, and then flavor. Right. Flavor starts off relatively low and increase to get closer to harvest. And then tannins go from green to dusty to dry to ripe. And that's really the key thing is like making sure that you're at that ripe stage. And it's quite different between um, 
Cabernet and uh, I don't know where the sun's coming from. Yeah, um, it's following you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and it's quite different for Cabernet. So Merlot can trick your mouth because you get a sweetness to Merlot okay. because it's not as tannic. And so the tannin volume generally is a little bit less. So you have to be very careful that you do not get tricked into thinking that the grape is ripe from a sugar standpoint, because you, you're really waiting for that tannin. And um, once, you, once you know, I mean, it's 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 relatively easy, but um, with Cabernet, it's much more obvious. It's much easier to make a picking decision on Cabernet because it's um, it's more even and, and the tannins are drier. So as soon as you know the tannins are less dry, then you can go ahead and pick it. But with Merlot, you really have to watch that you're not getting seduced by the, the juiciness, you know. And then is there a specific way you're, you're trellising or I miss, are they all trellised? Uh, yeah, Merlot, yes. I mean, because I don't, the oldest Merlot vineyard I work on in California is 1989 because that's pretty much when everything was replanted due to phylloxera. And so when in the early 90s, traditionally, we were going back to vertical shoot positioning and VSP, which is pretty much what people use. So there's, I know this is unusual, but a lot of growers don't realize there's a verb in VSP, it's called positioning. And so you have to get the shoot straight. And to do that, you have to use clips. And okay. you know that's very time consuming. So for, to make Icon Merlot, you really need true VSP. You need to be 10% off north south. You need to be on a clay soil. You need to be facing east. I mean, these are all the checks, you know. Right. So, and then when we bring it into the winery, we know that Merlot is going to have more fruit than tannin. So we can be a little bit more aggressive on the extraction than we could be with Cabernet. So Cabernet, I certainly, I certainly right. make the wines different. With Cabernet, I'm, I'm almost more like a, a soaker than I am a extractor. Whereas with Merlot, I'm more of an extractor. And then is there any any truth to that you want the vine the the vines to they talk about trailing leaf work like we see a lot of merlot vineyards where the leaves are falling over do you follow that do you know like it's like no. trailing leaves there's a you know like a lot of time, a lot of times you see other you know the vineyards where they're very well maintained but a lot of merlot vineyards when you when you go through them, the leaves are kind of let to go, like they're allowing it to go vigorous in the green, in the green aspect. Sounds like a lazy vineyard. Oh, is it? Sounds oh, like, okay. Sounds like lazy people. Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Certainly not. Certainly not the way I'd grow it. I think. Okay. I think you're right, though. I think that um, with the climate change that we were having, that people are trying to get more shade onto the cluster because. Merlot is an early ripener to verse Cabernet, okay. so it's going to have it's going to be more subjected to the heat in July and August versus um, Cabernet, which is going to be more like um, September. So, uh, yeah, I could see that, but I'm not really a big fan of that. I would rather, you know, that because because what you're doing is you're trying to change the terroir. You know, the terroir. People talk about terroir and they think it's this way or that way, but for me, terroir is really based on human elements because by allowing the canopy to grow bigger, um, you're changing the terroir. You pick on a Wednesday, I pick on a Thursday, we just change the terroir. You had a power cut, my truck got stuck in the heat, that changed the terroir. <laughs> and then you irrigate it. If you irrigate, real, you just remove all the terroir. That's a whole other ball game. Yeah. Right. And I've noticed when I was in Italy, this, sorry, I was in uh, Rioja and Roberta Duello, I couldn't believe how much irrigation is being put in now because... Um, these guys, uh, they just—they're yeah. not going to be able to survive with the heat, with the climate change. Right. And in in terms of uh, ripening and everything, so so it's Merlot would come of of the of the Bordeaux varieties. Is Merlot one of the earliest ones? Of the Bordeaux, yes, Merlot yes. would be the Merlot would be the earliest. I mean, that's of what we've picked so far. I've only picked Merlot. Um, okay. Yeah. So. And I picked the Merlot for the Fidelity Red Blend yesterday. 
So oh um, oh, so you you're a busy man to you you've been a very very busy uh, man these. <laughs> no no no, well, it's only one one vineyard. We're going to pick. What, we're actually going to pick Merlot and Napa on Monday, so that'll be the because so, Napa is generally warmer. Warmer okay. In the Alexander Valley, and that's why Alexander Valley I think is more interesting because you get to hold the red fruit character for longer um, with a little bit more acidity. So that's why I find Alexander Valley a bit more interesting than Napa. Okay. Well, with that as a segue, let's talk about this Herald 100% Merlot. So yes, this is what I, I have in my glass. So this is a 2021 Merlot from Alexander Valley. So tell me about this this wine while I get to swirl and sip because, you know, for me, it's officially afternoon, so we're good. <laughs> you East Coaster. Um, <laughs> at anyway, least, so at our, least for these five days, I'm an East Coaster. <laughs> right. So our primary Merlot is Chelsea. So she's my oldest daughter. And we started making, you know, for a father to have a project with your daughter is like a huge thrill because between the ages of 13 and 20, girls don't normally talk to their fathers. But if you have a project together, you have to. But when she was <laughs> when she was two, I traced her in her head. She colored it in. That's where the label comes from. Uh, and this wine she has chose, become. A, I'm sorry to interrupt. She chose that color, right? Well, she she's a red. The, like, and oh, she's red oh, I thought yeah. I I thought I read that you came up with the silhouette idea and let them choose what color was the background. Well, no, on Chelsea, I traced her in her head. She colored it in. The other girls, oh, okay. the Catherine and the Hillary. Um, you know, their afterthoughts. <laughs> but um, so with the success of Chelsea, Chelsea's um, been really successful. We decided I wanted to, I had another really good Merlot producer that I wanted to also um, celebrate. And so Herald means, you know, proclamation or, or um, uh, in fact, it's the name of the the newspaper in Auckland and New Zealand where I'm from is called the New Zealand Herald. And oh. so it's this, this, this news that, Hey, guess what? You know, Merlot is not completely bad. Um, so the, it's we, a have really... a herald. we have a Herald here in, in uh, Bergen County, New Jersey also. Oh, wow. Yes. I need it. You take a Herald next to the Herald, drink in the Herald. <laughs> so really unique grower. Um, I've been working with Steve now for, um, well, not Steve. Steve's the third owner of the same property, but he's owned it for about 15 years. And so making Merlot from his vineyard, it's killer, killer vineyard. Beautiful. A lot of red, lush, yeah. um, you know, black cherries. and But it also has... Plum. what I Chocolate. Sorry? Chocolate. Plum. Chocolate. Okay. Yeah, plum, black plum. Though I find the the... This, it, it, it goes back to that sort of vertical and horizontal thing I was talking about before. Like when you think of Merlot from the Alexander Valley, it's not like Cabernet at all. I mean, it has a lot more richness and elegance and sweetness. And so that black fruit, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, I hate to say this, but it's more like a Napa Cabernet of Alexander Valley, but it's Merlot. So the Merlot is giving you that Napa sweetness without the alcohol. So yeah, both you know, Chelsea and Herald uh, sort of made in that vein, really great vineyards, a little bit of clay, as I said. And, and, um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to push, I don't want to push the alcohol. I don't want to have this big American, you know, I joke, Americans were trained on peanut butter, Coca-Cola, Napa cab. Okay. Cause it's sugar, sugar, sugar. Right. And so you know, we want to emphasize the fruit rather than faking out the wine by making these big, heavy Napa wines. You know, there's minerality in this. In this, no, Austerity is a strong word, but sort of that vibrancy that you get, you know, you're like, damn, I'm hungry or thirsty. I want to go back and have that second glass, you know, and that's, that's what you, you should also get in this sort of sweetness from fruit-driven wines rather than sugar-driven wines, you know. It did you? I don't know if you noticed. I poured myself more. <laughs> oh, well, it is five. It is five o'clock somewhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. It is. It is really the first of all. The color is is beautiful. It's a nice bright ruby. Um, it's you know nice and and clear. Like it, it's you can see through it. I can sort of see my writing below it. 
Um, but the aromatics, I, I totally, I'm getting that, that red, that like a raspberry. I do get plum. I don't know. I don't know if you agreed with the chocolate or not, but I do, I guess some chocolate, I guess some chocolate on it. Um, but on the palette, it is bright. It is, it is like, hello, here I am. Um, and <laughs> the, the tan, yeah. Right. And, um, the, the tannins are so luxurious. Uh, they're just, they're there and they, they just carry that flavor all the way through to the end. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 more. I always, I, I, no, I agree with the chocolate comment, but <laughs> it's a cocoa mm -hmm. um, comment rather Powder, than a, like a, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not like a chocolate than, bar. Yeah. Because people always go, oh, yeah. I drink my Cabernet with dessert. I'm like, well, oh, you know, oh, as long oh, as it's goodness. unsweetened chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. No, you chocolate. are correct. I, it's more of a cocoa powder, not it's not a chocolate bar. Right. But I agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But when I, you know, you know, I'm a huge, um, you know, we cook, we do a lot. And during the summer, all we do is we, you know, because we, we have big families and so we always have barbecues and everyone just shows up. <laughs> it's like <'cause laughs> all my kids live around me. Um, but Saturdays and, and you Sundays have the wine. Over. And I, well, they have, yeah. and, <laughs> but we, you know, predominantly they all want to drink Malot because it's, it, it goes much easier with, because we're all, you know, obviously we live in a special place in California and a lot of fresh vegetables and, and salads and all that. And Merlot sort of goes with everything. It's much, it's not as specific as, you know, I hate to say a steak with cab, you know, it's not Merlot's, Merlot's way more friendly when it comes to mm -hmm. food pairings and, and, uh, I, I I had a bottle to oh and that goes back to your point of like the color because because you know how wines go purple red brown orange and we want to I can show you a wine I made twenty years ago that's Merlot from the same vineyard that's still red so purple to red I don't want our wines to go brown orange because then you get that that crusty stuff here right. and that crusty yeah. stuff that's polymeric pigment that's falling out that's the preservative of wine and that's for me, that's like, unless it was the year you got married, the birth of your first child or whatever, I'd get rid of it because <laughs> that crusty stuff is making that wine go brown and orange. And oh, that's, for me, that's not good. Um, people go, oh, you got to drink birth year wine. I'm like, no, I'm so damn old now. I don't want to drink a birth year wine. That wine's shot. I, mean, <laughs> you know. I do. I have to say, I do keep buying, um, We well, not birth year. I've, I've only had one birth year wine ever. Uh, and it was a bandol. Um, I only had one, uh, but I do have, I keep buying anniversary. I keep buying 1995, the year we were married, um, Bordeaux wines. And my husband is now like, um, well, I guess we're staying married for the rest of our lives because you've got too much of 1995 Bordeaux. <laughs> like, All right. Well, California, California 95 was a great vintage too. So 96 was a really elegant wine. 97 okay. was a very punchy wine. But 94 and 95, I would, 94 was a really elegant wine. 95, though, was really good vintage from California. I mean, our, the 90, okay. the, um, the semi from that year was fantastic. Like it was, oh, yeah. it was a lot like this year, actually, a little cooler and, and um, great hang time. And those okay. wines will live for a long time. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe, maybe I'll have to hook you Broad up. In your horizons. Broad yeah. in your horizons. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you did talk about this vintage and I did want to talk about that in terms of overall and Merlot. Uh, you're picking Merlot now, you said, is this like in Paso, everything is so delayed because of this, the, the cool weather we had in Paso. Is this normally when you're picking Merlot? Are you later than normal? Well, I, there's the, the Chelsea Merlot we have not picked. And on average, um, I pick it today on... Oh, okay. Um, September 22 is really funny. So I've, I think in the last 10 years, I've picked on September 22, probably five, oh, wow. six times. Uh, and I think I'm going to pick it on the 29th. So I'm oh, seven okay. so days. Two, oh, a week. Yeah, a I'm week. a week okay. behind. But it is definitely, it is but definitely. Last year, I picked it like August. I can't remember. I looked at the number a couple of days ago. August sometime, because last year was really, oh, you picked really it hard. early Oh yeah, yeah. No. yeah. Twenty twenty two was that was a really brutal. Yeah. <laughs> brutal. Yeah. That was that was a long stretch of of a hot weather that yeah. it was started on Mother's Day and never stopped. That's true. <laughs> That's true. 
<laughs> at least we true. didn't have fires. We haven't had we haven't had fires for a number of years, which is great. Yeah, knock on knock on wood for that one, huh? <laughs> Since twenty twenty, um, yeah. In fact, we didn't yeah. make any twenty. We didn't make any twenty twenty. It's funny that you know, like a lot of people do. You know go Good to, for you. Good for you. Well, I I go to the east coast, and people in California are like, shit, man, no one's going to drink Napa twenty twenties. <laughs> I mean, but you go to the east coast, they're all over there. People oh. have people have yes. yeah <laughs> because they all have smoke well you know i will say no one picked before the fire no one picked before the yeah fire um complex yeah. fire the glass fire yeah we 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 chose not to do we didn't do any 2020 either for our reds we were like nope um but i will say on the east coast the news because my parents they were like you know i was like taking pictures of the sky and all of that stuff and they're like well what's that from and I'm like, the fires. And they're like, oh. So like the, the news didn't make it, you know, the, it was like a blip at the end of the news. Oh, there's a fire in California. You know, like they were not aware of here. So, and, you know, sure, if you're not living it, if you're not in the middle of it, they've already forgotten it here. They don't, whatever, they'll do it. But I have had, I have had some 2020s and um, yeah, they should, some people should not have, have made a 2020. But, you know, again, it's marketing. They're like, especially, oh, Napa, they... especially Napa because Napa was hit so early um, and I'm unfortunately because of my relationship with the Canadian industry I know a lot about quiet coal syringal and creosol and how to take it out and oh, okay. how to measure it measuring it is the big problem because we don't really have the ability to measure it here even using some well-known labs here so away from fires Merlot is uh, one of the children of my beloved Cab Franc. Do, do we have to worry about pyrazines with with Merlot? Merlot? I don't know. It's really interesting. Like, why did they why did they choose Merlot? I mean, Merlot is the one of the of the five Bordeaux's. It has the least pyrazines of them all. I mean, Cab Franc and Cabernet obviously have the two are the strongest. Um. Malbec, Malbec, Malbec. There's a lot of <laughs> confusion about Malbec. Right. True Malbec has a little bit, but you know Merlot certainly has a less. And Petit, and Petit, Petit doesn't really have a lot of pyrazines. Mm. Um, not where not where we grow it. But I, you know, Petit normally, I like to make when I'm blending. If I'm using Petit, it's only ever you know five to seven percent because yeah, Petit a can goes be, a long way. Yeah, it can be. It has a lot of personality, and that's why. It's, interesting you commented the early, earlier and said oh i don't drink enough petite but um <laughs> there's a reason it has to be special yes yes do you know what i say about petite syrah it's phenomenal petite like, oh yeah yeah sorry no 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 i'm sorry petite syrah with petite oh, okay. syrah i love the idea of petite syrah and then after the first glass i feel like i just had like a, a guinness beer like, you know, it's, it's like, okay, I'm done one, you know, it's tough to find a petite Syrah. Like you were saying, you want to have that second or third glass, you know, that's what Merlot is. You always want right. that other glass. Petite Syrah, I always feel like, well, one glass is enough. Petite Verdot to me, I, I love it. And I wish I drank more of it. I like the velvety of it. And I, but I like it as a single varietal sometimes but I like what it does as a blend. I, I call it the, the um, warm and fuzzy blanket. When you, when blended correctly, it adds, like, I like it with Cab Franc. Like it, it adds a warm, fuzzy blanket to it that just adds a little bit more dimension and extends the finish. That's what I think Petite Verdot does. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it gives a structure. Right, like. right, absolutely. Um, so we are uh, we are coming up to our hour, and I know you are a very very busy man. So I don't want to keep you too long. But is there any like if you wanted to people to remember three things about Merlot, what would be three things? Um, well, first should remember thing, about Merlot. Give it a go. <laughs> there you it's go. It's pretty funny. This is twenty years since the Sideways movie. It, um, the anniversary is coming up. I think it's yep. right now. Um, but give give Merlot a go, and then and then, you know. But don't don't buy a cheap one. I hate to say this. Don't buy a cheap Merlot. Buy buy something from, um, you know, Napa or Sonoma or um, or Central Coast. And but um, I, I, you know, there's still there's still some weaker Merlots out there. And then and then try to find them in a fresher style. 
not not too loaded up with oak and not too loaded up with alcohol you know certainly if it says 15 alcohol forget it yeah. um i'd be drinking them closer to 14. Okay. in fact this year may be a good year that we can get them under 14 you know back to where we should be which is I'm not saying we could get back to 12% alcohol, but we certainly should be getting in the 13s. 13s. I think I think the consumers are going that way too, um, getting away from the big, big rich things. And then, um, yeah, just a bit, you know, pour it. What I like to do with my love is you pour it and you take it, it's sip immediately, but then, you know, keep a glass around until you finish the evening and then taste it again. Because I think Merlot really expresses itself in the mouth uh with with a little bit more air and uh but you know i'm not a big decanter i just like let it naturally do it but yeah give it a go let it let it you know let that, it evolve that should be the, the new the that should be the new tagline merlot give it a go <laughs> there you go instead of merlot me merlot give it a go yeah you can make a song yeah we should that, that yeah. I'm going to title that this podcast, Merlot, Give It A Go. <laughs> That's going to be okay. the title of the I podcast. Like I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, so where can people, I mean, you have Fidelity, you have Chelsea, you have, like, where can, can are all those labels available on sale on your website? Do they, or do they have different websites? How, how can people get these Merlot and the Fidelity Red Wine and even that, that best, you know, wine of the week? Zinfandel. Well, we sold that out on the same day oh, it came out. Of course. So forget that. <laughs> it's still out. It's still yeah. out there in the trade. I think anybody who's watching, ha ha ha! I have. But one. the twenty, the twenty twenty two is really good too. Um, okay. But uh, no, you can you can go into Goldschmidt. I put my last name there on my on my handle. There you can yeah. you can go there goldschmidtvineyards.com and you'll be able to see all the wines there. Um, to buy some of the other wines like Herald and some of the other Merlots, um, it's bit, if you change my name to wine and you do wine at goldschmidtvineyards.com, that oh, okay. will um, access those wines as well because we don't, they're a sort of separate portfolio. But I thought it was fun to just to try something that was a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. And I thank you so much for coming on. And uh, I know I, you know, I have to tell everybody that they need to go to Instagram and follow you on Instagram because you are very active on it. And it's not just, I'm going to call it, it's not just stupid stuff. It's you're in the <laughs> vineyards and you're talking, which is so much of Instagram, just stupid stuff. Um, you know, you know, but you're in the vineyard and you're pointing things out and you're showing things. And whenever I get the little notification that you're going live, uh, I'm always clicking it. I don't care where I am. Um, I'm always clicking it to, to see where it is. And, you know, if I, if I can't, you know, like if I'm driving and I really can't pay attention, then I'll, I'll just know to go back to it later, but everybody should be following you on uh, Instagram because it is phenomenal to see you and you travel, you know, you're in Chile or Argentina or wherever you are, you're always showing things in the vineyard. And so, um, yeah, so that's very all I educational. Know. Yeah, it... so you can follow me on Goldschmidt underscore Vineyards. Um, you can do that on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, yeah, and I I try to post a video of where I am and what I'm seeing, especially on Instagram. Facebook for some reason the feed's not really working very easily at the moment, but yeah, Instagram for sure. Yeah, and it it is phenomenal to always see you in the vineyard and to hear what's going on and showing us what what's going on. So. Thank you so much for coming on. I ha I did save a little glass a little bit so I can raise it again and say slancha and thank you so much. You're welcome. Work mm -mm -mm -mm. <laughs> so good. So sounds good. like after yesterday you needed that. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> and all day. Oh yes. Damn. And let me tell you, the 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 United Club needs to change their wine because whoa, that was well, they're going to. Are they? Uh, um, yeah, they've just they brought back Doug Frost, who's the MS and MW, so he's oh, going to really? United again. Yeah. Oh well, that's wonderful. I know Doug, so kudos to that because thank yeah. goodness because that wine is is not not good. I know the wine on the plane right now, undrinkable. It, yes, I hate to say it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and, yes. So kudos, Doug. Come on, change him up. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> so that's fantastic. 
So thank you so much for coming on and for sharing your Fidelity Red Wine, your Zinfandel, and your Herald Merlot. And I appreciate you taking time. It is, we are going to get the word out. Merlot, give it a go. And, uh, you know, really fine, really fine. You need shirts for that. Tagline that right now, Nick. Tagline it. <laughs> Send out whatever you got to do to get that uh, copyrighted or whatever. Um, because that's, I see it on shirts. I see it. So, <laughs> bumper stickers, everything. <laughs> yeah. All right. You have a great day. Best of luck with the rest of your harvest. And Thanks, I will Lord. talk to you soon. Beautiful. Thank yeah. you so much. Bye. This has been another episode of Exploring the Wine Glass. Thanks for listening. If you have suggestions on what topics you would like me to discuss, please reach out on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as Exploring the Wine Glass. I am also on LinkedIn as Lori Hoyt Bud. Of course, you can always email me at exploringthewineglass at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter at exploringthewineglass.com. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find me more easily. And most importantly, tell your wine-loving friends, because if you like the podcast, they will too. Podcast music is Wine by Kevins. Until next week, slancha. I want to let you go right now